1937 Disney movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the evil queen asks the mirror, magic mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? To which the mirror responds, famed is thy beauty majesty, but hold, a lovely maid I see. While seeing one's reflection in pools of water would date back even further, the first evidence of a mirror has been dated around 6,000 to 8,000 BC in Anatolia in south-central modern Turkey. So when you stand in front of a mirror and look, who do you see? And today we'll discover that how we see ourselves matters. Let me pray. Jesus, as we take some time to delve into your word, as we look into the pages of what took place in ages past, may it not be just a book of history, but of revelation. As you speak to us today, Holy Spirit, Would you encourage, would you bring to mind the things that you want to say to us and help us to respond in a way that brings you honour and glory. Amen. Labels are an important part of our society. For those with dietary requirements or allergies, having good labels is essential. Ask any medical person and they will tell you that what is on a medication label is, is really important. It can mean the difference between life and death. Labels can also communicate information and they can convey perceived value. Consider for a moment two t-shirts that you can see on the screen. The one on the left is a Louis Vuitton t-shirt for just one, for the small price of $1,740. But the good news is that they do also include freight in that. For the three, uh, for the one on the, the right, the same price could buy you 397 t-shirts for the same price from Timu. Labels are also can be helpful for designating car parking spaces, like this one, specifically designed for people who are disabled but also drive electric cars. So very unique um, uh, parking sign there. It is interesting that when we talk to people, often the second question that we ask them when we're, we're having a conversation with them is after we've gotten past, oh, what's your name? Is, oh, what do you do for work? Questions have the ability to help us to discover more about people, but also their answers can result in labelling or stigmatisation of others, and at times also by ourselves. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. For those who have been um, recently joining us, um, we've been tracking through various questions that Jesus has asked in the first century and how we might respond as Jesus asks us those same questions today. And if you've missed out on any of the messages, you can catch up with them on YouTube or on podcast. We pick up this account um, 
uh, and it follows straight after Michelle's reading from John chapter 4, after the second miracle that Jesus performed in Galilee. And he's, he's headed from the government officials, um, uh, the healing of the government officials' son, and in Galilee and the Capernaum, and he's headed back up to Jerusalem. Now, by way of background, the Sabbath was a pretty serious deal uh, for the, the Jewish nation, and it extended from sundown on the Friday to the Saturday evening. Now, there were strict laws about what could and could not be done on the Sabbath. And the violation of the Sabbath for, um, was a part of the reason why the nation of Israel was punished and sent into exile. The intentional breaking of the Sabbath was punishable by death. But it was also seen as a cultural marker, a way of differentiating um, the, the Jewish nation from the land of, um, in their captivity when they were sent into exile, but also while they were under Roman occupation. It helped to distinguish them from the Roman occupiers. There were 39 classes of work that were forbidden. You could sew one stitch, but not two. You were not allowed to tie or loosen a knot. You were not allowed to carry an object from one place to another. But it seems as though you could carry a person on a mat, as carrying the mat um, or bedding was incidental to carrying the person. So carrying the person you could do, and if they were on the mat, you could carry the mat as a result of that, but you couldn't carry the mat without the person. In John chapter 5, we read this. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda the, uh, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame or paralysed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Now, inside the city and to the north of the temple was the Sheep Gate, and near it was the Pool of Bethesda, and also known as the House of Mercy. Around this pool were, were five covered porches or colonnades, uh, with one dividing the pool into two sections. Crowds of sick people, the blind, the lame, the paralysed, flocked to these pools, lying under the shade of the porches, waiting watching and listening for the first sign, the first clue, the first hint of movement in that water. You see, over the years, and some 200 years after the event that we read about today, the pools had developed a reputation for their healing qualities. Stories of supernatural visitations, an angel of the Lord was rumoured to come and from time to time stir the waters. It was believed that the first person to get into the freshly stirred waters would be healed of whatever diseases they had. Today, we choose to explain the movement of the waters by possibly the natural springs bubbling up and disturbing the water. But back in Jesus' day, people desperate for a cure uh, from the circumstances they faced in life willingly waited for days, weeks, and even years to be the first in the pool and in so doing to be hopefully healed. Others 
looking to fulfill their responsibility by caring for the poor and the sick, could conveniently come past the pool on their way to the temple and give alms to those waiting at the water's edge. In one gesture, they appeased their conscience, but also helped the poor and hopefully would find favour with Yahweh God to whom they were about to come to the temple to pray. Like many other religious pilgrims before him, Jesus also makes his way past the pool on his way to the temple. And as he walks by, his attention is drawn to a man lying there. The impact of the man's paralysis was life-altering. According to the spinal cord website that I was looking at this week, the most common effects of paraplegia includes obvious loss of sensation below the site of the uh, the injury, Phantom sensations in the body, including unexpected uh, and unexplained pain, electric sensations, a loss of sexual function, a loss of bladder and bowel function, becoming incontinent. Secondary infections include skin infections, bed sores and chronic pain. In John 5 verse 6 we read, When Jesus saw him, and knew that he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, what kind of a daft question is that? The paralysed man has no idea who's asking the question, but you would think that Jesus would be a little bit more sensitive. Yet the man responds with a respectful address of sir. And so to this end, he says, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone, always, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But the miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't walk, uh, work on the Sabbath. The Lord doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward. Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now there's something curious about this account of Jesus' life. There is... There are some 48 passages in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that refer to 25 plus different accounts of Jesus healing people. But of all the 50 odd um, passages, this is the only time on this one occasion that we have a record of Jesus asking the question, would you like to get well? For the past 38 years, the man's life and outlook had been lost in his paralysis. 
the rhythms of the day and his reliance on others to survive meant that he would be moved at the convenience of others. He was cleaned when others chose to do so. He was financially supported at the hands of others. Little by little, day after month after year, the man's identity was slowly swallowed up by his infirmity until the paralysis not only debilitated his legs, but also his will. Would you like to get well? Jesus' question is one of invitation, but it is also one of exploration. It's interesting to see how one responds to the question and what it can reveal in someone's outlook on life. The man's identity had become lost in his paralysis. And, and the world and, and what had possibly become defined by his paralysis and the limitations that he faced. Rather than responding with a yes to Jesus' invitational question, would you like to get well? The man instead gave a description of why his situation kept him paralysed. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus pursues the invitation despite the reasons of why the man can't. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And while the, the physical transformation is immediate, the man's outlook on life is slower in adjusting informing the Jewish leaders that Jesus healed him and told him to carry his mat, thus attempting to abdicate responsibility for breaking of the law. You know, today labels can be helpful. They can help us identify what we need quickly and easily. They can describe an ingredient and protect us from harm. But labels can also hinder the American Psychological Association in 2023 defines labelling theory as the psychological hypothesis that describing an individual in terms of a particular behavioural characteristic may have a significant effect on his or her behaviour as a form of self-fulfilling prophecy. In their review of who benefits from diagnostic labels for developmental disorders, Workhoven, Anderson and uh, Robaines acknowledge the benefits of having labels. Labels play a role in facilitating patient self-understanding and in the shaping of treatment plans. In social contexts, labels help to communicate information about special needs, but can also contribute to the stigmatisation of atypical behaviour. But they also acknowledge that labels can be overly reductionistic to the point that people feel that they are viewed as nothing more than a label. But it can also maintain the, and intensify the defining characteristic of the disorder. In such cases, labels function as self-fulfilling prophecies and can therefore constitute a form of harm. And when it comes to looking in the mirror, 
we can also become lost in our limitations. Conversations based on what we cannot do or based on our diagnosis that um, begins piece by piece to swallow up our identity until we see ourselves and others see us by our inability and by our loss. Then Jesus comes along and Jesus asks us the question today, would you like to get well? It's not just a question about a state of health, but also, and at times more importantly, it's a question about our state of mind and how we see ourselves. While Jesus still bears the scars of Good Friday, he lives on this side of Resurrection Sunday. And this same Jesus invites us to answer the question, would you like to get well? Jesus' question continues to be one of invitation but also of exploration. It's interesting how our response is to the question and how it can reveal our outlook on life. As Jesus asks us that question today, would you like to get well? What do you reach for? Do you reach for the reasons of why we are as we are? That others have it easier? That others have pushed in front and gotten in the front of the queue before us and we miss out? Have we grown used to the reasons of why not and our identity of what we can and can't do has become lost in the labels others give us or the labels that we take on ourselves? As people who have been impacted by cancer describe, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach of moving from victim to survivor to thriver. But it's also not about victim-blaming. Nor is it about a simply uh, simplistic theology of name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. But it is a question and an invitation by Jesus where he the creator word that became flesh and entered into our world with its limitations to bring us into a saving, transformative relationship with our creator God. It is a question and an invitation that empowers us and calls us for our response. It may not remove the scars. Jesus can testify to that. But it can And over time, it will shape how we live with our scars and how we testify to a life lived in and for Jesus. And so when we stand in front of the mirror, whose labels do we attach to ourselves? How we see ourselves matters. And Jesus invites us to join with him and live our best life at whatever stage we are at. To not be defined on, by what we can't do and why we can't do it, but on what God wants to do in and through us because of Jesus' love for us. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the depth of your love for us.
that while we were still caught up and lost in our sin, in our brokenness, in our frailty, that you came and you died for us. And even today you still bear the scars, but you do so lovingly out of a desire to extend your grace, your mercy to us today. And today you invite us to respond. You invite us to to respond to the question, would we like to get well? For the brokenness of our past, for the hurts that we carry, for the injuries, for the frailty, for for whatever has gone on, on in our life, these things that can so easily define and hold us back from being the person that you want us to be. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help to heal the labels, the labels that others have placed on us, the labels that we place on ourselves, and that we would see ourselves as you see us, as a child of God, as someone who is loved, and is redeemed and is brought into a favourable relationship with our Creator God. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a few questions that I want to pose to you. What words are used to describe you? What words does Jesus invite you to use to describe yourself? And how might Jesus' resurrection help you to live beyond the scars or labels that others place on you or that you place on yourself? I encourage you to use the response cards um, and for those that are, are listening to the recording to use the chat function to respond to the things that God is saying to you today.